Hey everybody, welcome to the Fae Forge Academy. I am your DM, Steven, and with me today we have Michael. Michael. Chris. Chris. Adelaide. Adelaide? Emily. Hundreds of people died in the Great Molasses Flood of 1915. And Ian. <laughs> 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 uh, and we are we are joined today by a, a special guest, uh, straight from the fundamentals. Uh Dan Arndt, why don't you say hi, say say what you do for the Fundamentals and, and elsewhere. Um, yeah, and introduce yourself. Hey guys, uh, I'm uh, Dan, I'm the tabletop editor and the uh, one of the magic editors for the Fundamentals. Hopefully you have uh, been to the website by now, if nothing else, to uh, find this podcast, who we've been lucky enough to partner with for uh, four years now uh, to... It's been a great relationship. Uh, it's been a big part of our tabletop coverage that I that I handle. Uh, you know, this a lot of great uh, people in here uh, who have done great work around AP, around D and D. We featured a lot of great work from uh, uh, you know some other shows, but we also do a lot of coverage of of books, of D and D, of third party stuff, and we have also comic coverage and and everything else you could think. So. Uh, you know, definitely come if you're into tabletop RPG, but you know, stick around if you're just into general nerdy stuff. We got plenty of that too. And you know, we love nerdy stuff. Oh, yes. So the reason the reason Dan is here is because we are celebrating our four year podiversary. We have been a podcast, as Dan said, for four years. Which uh, honestly, for for any podcast, that's that's a long time in the in the TTRPG D and D world. That's an eternity. We are we're ancient. Yeah, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old, Gandalf. Um, but uh, yeah, so so you all sent us a bunch of questions, and uh, we're gonna answer that. We have a bunch of answers. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> hey, they might not be the right answers. <laughs> to, to be I determined. The fifth. Um, before we do that, uh, a couple things that you're used to at this point is uh one go to foundfamiliarcoffee.com uh get yourself a bag of beans uh, and use the code fayforge at checkout for some really good coffee really fresh coffee uh aaron and Lindsay are the owners they um are wonderful people and part of the ttrpg community as well all their coffee features ttrpg artist art um and it's really beautiful and um and the coffee is even better then also go to greenleafgeek.com um, and get yourself some dice from Leah. Uh, she makes custom custom resin dice uh, as well as curates a lot of different sets and is is kind of venturing off into other types of merch as well. Uh, she currently has a Kickstarter. It's not Kickstarter technically, I don't believe. It is a crowdfunded um, set for these for uh, glow backer kit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, backer kit. It's uh, glowy dice. Uh, mm. They're very beautiful, and uh, there is a certain tier where uh, if you pledge, you can be in a game that I run that is custom written for this uh, campaign. Wow. I'm gonna go so, sign up right now. Yeah, so go do the thing. I know, thing. I got so excited. <laughs> we don't get to play in a game with you every time. Is it, is it Fayforged themed? Is that... Is it Avastria? No, it is not. It's I'm not writing it. Um, it is written specifically for the, the backer kit campaign. Oh, um, yeah, I does, you're running Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does Leah's, pre, does Leah's like, Greenleaf Geek have its own, like, campaign setting? 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. She's pretty creative, so. Yeah, yeah. it's called the uh, geeked up, freaked up, and ready to roll. <laughs> <laughs> Leah's listening to this and she's like scratching out the original title. And then uh, last thing, uh, we appreciate you listening for, for these four years, and I know some of you have joined along the way. Um, some of you have been here from the very beginning. If you are looking for more ways to to support the show, uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Academy. We have uh, a, a campaign that we've been running there that I get to try to kill the characters uh, very aggressively every every time we play, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a little different tone than, than, our, than our normal stuff. Um, but it's a lot of fun. There's uh, subclasses that we've written for the for the podcast. There's I have my DM notes up there. There's some uh, separate interviews, like one on ones with me and me and different cast members. There's all sorts of stuff. Um, so so check that out. Uh, you get access to all of it for as low as two dollars a month. Actually, even lower if you sign up for a year. I think it gives you like another ten percent discount off of that. Plus, you could be here in our chat as we're live streaming this recording right now. Um, and uh, hanging with us every time we record. Uh, with that, Dan, I'm going to turn it over to you. Right, so there are some fantastic questions in here. Um, some of them are going to be for uh, everybody to chime in. Not everybody necessarily has to chime in, but uh, uh, we would love to hear answers on all of them. Some of them will be for individuals, um, and we'll see how it goes. So the first one is uh, an all-play. It's, how has your perception of Dungeons & Dragons changed since you first began playing on this show? Yikes. It's, fucking, it's a hot potato to start off. <laughs> Softball's here. Shit. Yeah, who's uh who's who's taking that bullet first? I got I, um, I, I got a good apolitical one for this. This is I got a, a nice wow. So here's the thing, right? I started playing Dungeons and Dragons a long time ago, like third third edition, third and a half edition. And when we started playing this game, fifth edition was like in its height. It was like golden swing era. It was amazing. And now, right, like it's 2014, 2024. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> it's 2024. What? I know, right? <laughs> no, no stop it. Stop it. It's not. It's not. It's 2019 still. Don't lie. <laughs> it's 2024. And Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, like it, it's, it's not selling like it used to, right? I mean, it's not. People aren't as excited about it as they were when we first started this podcast. And so what I'll say is this, right? Is that Dungeons and Dragons has outlived a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> <That's Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> that was very, very neutral. <laughs> so uh, that was pain. I don't know how you're painfully neutral, but you were painfully. <laughs> I think I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll be spicy though. I don't know. Like I, I've been playing. I've been playing also since three point five. I think is my first time playing, and I have been now in probably. 15 different productions, short and long campaigns over that time. And that's just like the ones on Twitch and in podcasts, um, not even private games. And I feel like I love that D&D has become this view of like, oh, you can make it into everything. But in reality, I don't, it feels limiting after a long time. Mm. Like I feel at it, I feel Especially now, like, when I'm creating new characters. Like, I just started a new Twitch show a couple weeks ago, and it's 5e, but, like, in the future. And I'm just like, I've played everything. I've done everything. I don't, I don't have any new characters that I could possibly make. Um, and that's why I'm so excited to see new tabletops come out into the forefront just to, like bring creativity back into my mix because frankly I'm out of ideas. I don't I couldn't I couldn't give you a like a, a fresh character concept for four for five for five E. Like from myself. I think I think that's that's super fair. I think um it, it's 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 gone on like kind of a, a very um I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a curve that anything popular hits, right? Um, you've got like the excited part. Everyone's, everyone's super hyped. It peaks at some point. And then, and then the more you start sort of like reflecting on it or it just gets old or, or whatever, um, it just kind of loses some of its shine. I think, mm. I think a lot of that truthfully for me is influenced by some of the choices that wizards has made in the last, especially like the last two years. Um, I feel like, and and it's also at the point where I feel like there's almost like a, it like people use the term bloat right in in a lot of different games. There's just so much for five E right now, especially when you especially when you bring in third party stuff. Ugh. Like like you you it it comes to the point where it's almost like um, there's there's too much <laughs> for it. Um, and when you market your game as something that you can make as anything that's actually limiting in a way um, yeah. because it doesn't, it doesn't push into one specific like, like genre. Um, I know all the, all the, like the core D and D stuff is very much fantasy, but, but um, yeah, I mean, I still, I still really enjoy it. Um, I think in part because it's a language that most people who play tabletop games can speak. Um, but, but there's a lot of stuff out there that I want to do. That's not D and D related. I think it like honestly I feel like it can like lead to laziness like there it it we're at a point now where it's like you can literally do everything in D&D. Somebody has made everything. Cars, guns, uh spaceships, um in Neanderthal clubs, like anything that you want, you can do anything you want. And I feel like it pushes people into well we might as well play D&D. Mhm. Because you know, somebody's already made it for us. You know, there's no, we could pick this system, but, you know, D&D already does it. So why not? Yeah. I feel like in a way that we, not to toot our own horn, there will be a lot of horn tooting today, but um, I feel like we as storytellers in this podcast have outgrown the system of Dungeons and Dragons. And I, I think about that a lot, especially like in recent episodes when we've, we've recorded, I mean, how much do we really roll? 
like in between big fights and things like that. Like mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. need the structure. Like I'm not going back to my character sheet and looking like what personality traits did I pick? Like we've graduated <laughs> beyond. You do those? I, <laughs> I did them like at the beginning when, you know, when I first make a character, but it's like, it's not really something that we're, or at least I'll speak for myself that I'm returning to, to find new story avenues like the structure is not what's inspiring that what you guys are doing is inspiring that how we're reacting in the real world what steven's throwing at us narratively like all of that pushes the story forward you know the fact that ian and i are both bards like i don't think about that that often like you know Mm -hmm. cause is a musician and blossom is a writer and i think that's more interesting than going there are five things you guys can be in this world Uh um which is also a limitation of D D, to be mm-hmm. honest, is is the class of it all. And that's why, like, I think you're so right. People tend to go, okay, well, we can, you know, do any theme, any, you know, sort of spice that we want. But at the end of the day, it's like still this core structure that is limiting. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you play a lot of other TTRPGs um, and you all of a sudden have all these different, like, interesting new options mm-hmm. to inspire character. Um, and I find that, yeah, I don't fall into that repetition hole of like, okay, well, I don't really want to play X class, so I'm going to end up with a character like Y. I think uh, just to get like nerdy for a second. Um, do it. <laughs> That's not, you're, we're yeah. not allowed to do nerd stuff on this podcast. Right, 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 right. Um, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be quick, but uh if anyone knows anything about computer science or let's just say like a word editor, you know, or any sort of like Excel spreadsheet or any sort of like books thing I, to, to me, D and D right now is just the language language per se, like computer science language, mm-hmm. or like it is the vehicle for us to use. And we started on this vehicle. It's kind of becoming legacy. If you know what that term is, like mm-hmm. kind of like getting a little bit older it, there's a lot of robustness to it, but it's also very familiar. There's not a lot of novel experiences is what kind of the cast is saying from what I can hear. And so it is good. Um, but to me, it's just like, um, it's just a language that we've been using and we're comfortable kind of using and it's easier to kind of stay on it and stay the course. And maybe, I don't know what Steven's up to, but I don't know what this podcast is up to, but maybe in the future we like decide to flex ourselves and try and get into something a little bit different. But um, yeah, it's just the like at this point, how I feel about it is D and D five E is just a language and we're using it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will, I will add kind of off of what, what Michael's saying is I think the one thing that like, especially where, where we're at right now that I really do like about D and D is my um, proficiency in it. Um, on a DM side of things um, where I can, I can improv and roll and change, change story beats and, and find, find the different pieces that I need to keep the sessions and the story going quickly um, and allow those to flow in a much more um, uh, like natural way that I don't, I don't think, I don't think I could do um, in a different system yet. Um, be, just because of the hours I've put into this system um, and, and future, future of the podcast, who, who knows where we'll go, but I don't think that I would want to run another campaign, even set in the same world using five E. Um, mm-hmm. But, but, but that would allow us to all kind of start 
again, start from the beginning, right? Because because while characters level up in D and um, DMs do as well, right? Like when you're when you're only DMing for level one, two, three characters, there's only so much they can actually do that can really throw you off. Whereas like now, if y'all want to plane shift, you can just, you can just plane shift, right? Like you can just be like, we're out. And I'm like, Oh shit. Um, or like when, when Chris double fingered of death, something oh, like, so good. Oh, spoilers. I don't think that episode's out yet. Oh shit! <laughs> now you know. I'm gonna bleep that whole. I'm gonna bleep you know, it. <laughs> but I mean, that that episode is gonna air before this one. So oh, that's true. that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Podcast time. Make sure right if you do bleep it though, it's just like when Chris bleep fingered. Bleep. <laughs> <laughs> bleep it? No, no. Double fingered. Yeah, double fingered. Might wipe those patrons in your chat though. <laughs> yeah, they they were they were there for uh, they were there for the. Um, Oh, okay. For the recording. So. <laughs> they were there for the double fingering. Don't worry. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, so you guys talked about, uh, you touched on other th- other systems, other other things that are coming out that have been out. Um, this isn't one that I think anyone's asked, but I'm kind of putting on my uh, journalism cap for a second. I'm curious what, uh, if there's a uh, system that you've played that you lately, or just in general, that you've really enjoyed that you would love to if you could, you know, take Fae, if you could take the Fae Forge crew and didn't play it, you know, um, you know, what, what game or what, what would you like to try out? Alien. Blades of the Dark. <laughs> Blades is great. Alien's awesome. Alien was so good. <laughs> Alien's so fun. That was also going to be on my That list. is a fantastic system. Yeah. That is actually what I was thinking about when I was talking about, like, pushing character through class and other systems like aliens got some just really interesting nuanced stuff Mm -hmm. where it kind of like comes with background where it's like okay you're a marine like what does Mm -hmm. that mean and that can mean a a thousand things Mm -hmm. um and also it's terrifying (laughs) (laughs) good stuff Uh, i really like numenera i think that's a very (gasps) interesting game that's what i was Uh, gonna say i think numenera and powered by the apocalypse are Mm -hmm. ideal systems for running audio dramas um D and D, you know, as much as we love it and as ubiquitous as it has become, systems like D and D and even Pathfinder, which I love very deeply, Crunch is not interesting to listen to. Like nobody cares what your modifier <laughs> is. Nobody wants to listen to you rolling damage. Like that's that's not really what people listen to a podcast for years for. They listen for the narrative, and I think that uh, Monty Cook and Powered by the Apocalypse have really mastered the balance of tech, technical, you know, knowledge, mechanical knowledge, and crunch versus freedom of narrative and being mm-hmm. able to really be creative with the abilities that you're given on your character sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are some really cool things that you can do with Powered by Apocalypse that I think end up, like, and to speak to what you said earlier, Stephen, about, like, DMs leveling up, like, there are a lot of tools that you add into your kit to keep the story interesting and to keep your players like engaged and keep you know for an audio drama like keep listeners engaged and there's a lot of great tools that come out of games like blades in the dark games like kids on bikes uh where you can which i know technically isn't part by apocalypse but don't at me uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they're they they use these systems right where you uh, everyone, including the DM, including the player, including the people who are listening at home, are like so psyched to find out what's gonna happen next. 
right? And it mm-hmm. really does keep and 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 if there and if the dice rolls are involved, it's because success is interesting and failure is interesting. And I think that's something that we have, I think, done a really good toot our own horn a little bit, right? Toot toot. We've done a really good job of in this podcast, and by we I mean Steven, of putting us in scenarios where the dice rolls are always interesting. Right? It's never like roll to unlock this door. I got a two. You don't unlock the door. Okay. <laughs> right. like, I guess we kick it down. I mean, you know, like we, we find ourselves <laughs> in these scenarios where it's like we're all excited to find out what's going to happen when that dice hits. And that, you know, that is way more interesting than like, yeah, like, I mean, right, like watching Blossom or, or Cause, right? Like crushing Arcana score with our plus 12, you know, I mean, it's fun for us. <laughs> but, it is. <laughs> but like, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, listeners are at home are probably like, oh wow, okay, so yeah, the magic users know magic, cool, cool. So what happens next? <laughs> and I, I, I would be excited to to take uh, that that direction if we if we were going to talk about like system change or even system modification to kind of like explore out that direction a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think would be cool as all the listeners of this show knows and steven the cast know um if i don't i haven't played much other systems i like i have but like none of them are very memorable because they're usually one shots for me but um i think something and to be quick yes i think something that wouldn't be as punishing i know uh for for Mm -hmm. for natural ones (laughs) because i do a lot of like good intense thoughtful like role playing and like i'm very cerebral about how i play in strategic and then i roll a one and it's like well how do we how do we force this one into this narrative so it works out and like also maybe reward like good RP. And it's kind of hard to do um, that feels organic and flowy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so probably something that, you know, uh, can do something a little bit more with like, you know, a quote unquote, like horrific role or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. See, I almost feel like sort of the opposite where it's like all our stuff is now mostly storytelling but nothing like so the roles don't really matter. Nobody really cares about them except when it's like that pinnacle nat 20 on the final strike on the dragon or when you're rolling a death save and you've already failed one and the second is a natural one. And it's just like it's those moments that like really add to the story for me. That's just like it hits like every single time. <clears throat> and like I- all of my all of my memories related to moments in D&D where I've played have all been around that nat 20 or that nat 1. And I think that's very valid. I also think it's interesting from a perspective of like, we joke about it, but Michael statistically rolls really low. Oh, like, he does. He does. really does. And it's so is, sad. Like, ha- is forced into a narrative path because of that, mm-hmm. because of how D&D works, mm-hmm. yeah. which is an interesting thing where it's like, if we were playing in a system that rewarded low rolls, like you would have an mm. entirely different narrative journey. We should play some 2D20 like systems to watch Michael roll like straight 20s all day. <laughs> we should have no rolls unless it's something cool. And then everyone just sounds like, hey, this is a cool roll. I have to roll in this one. Well, like and a- then it's it's either a 20 or a 1. There's yeah, no- like a 2 system. There's a 1 and a 20 and that's it. <laughs> Heads or tails. Um, well, and, and I, have, I have tried to... Um, I think one of the ways that I have, have evolved as a GM is like when... 
when you when you you kind of first start GMing, or or even when you GM private games versus like narrative games, or I mean, I've I've never DM something this long, right? This is this is a really long running game that most people don't get to do. Um, you kind of you, you you roll for too much at at the beginning when you're when you're kind of starting starting stuff off, and 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 actually a lot of it is because of Michael's rolls. I, I don't know if you all you all ever catch me doing this, but I'll be like, like, why don't you give me a actually actually you don't need to give me a role for that. Like you you would know this or or something <laughs> like that. Um and and a lot of that is because of of things where it's like, why do why do the dice need to determine whether or not you know about something that you should know about? Um Ooh, yeah. and, and 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 so now Actually, w- when I have you make rolls, it's usually in my mind. It's a scale of what you get. So if you roll bad, you're you're you might. I actually have given you false information. <gasps> um, <laughs> um, Could date you, I say. Like a remembering thing versus like yeah. you actually know this when you've when you've definitely read it at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, because because I think those those sorts of scales of success are are, are just so much much more interesting anyways than just like pass or fail, because because essentially D and D is a, a very complicated heads or tails system, at the end of the day. Yeah, it doesn't do great scaling. True. Yeah, there's really no incentive below. It's like anything every, everything between one and twelve to fifteen is basically <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Baldur's Gate reinforced that for me. I always find it interesting, um, and you don't see it happen very much except for in Poisons, where it'll say, like, if the person, you know, fails the DC, then bad thing happens. But if they fail the DC by five or more, then extra, extra bad thing happens. And I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm always Which like, is ganked straight from Pathfinder, like, literally lifted from the pages of Pathfinder. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm not here to say Pathfinder 2 <laughs> continues that and does an even better job improving their crit system, but anyhow... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> new pathfinder happening yeah. too uh so you guys are talking a lot about story and things like this and there's a question here that i think sigs into that uh although you can uh, this question is another one where it could be something you want to talk about just within the confines of faith forge but it could also be a broader commentary on your um you know general uh story telling and, and character work uh in in tabletop games uh, but what is what are you most excited about um, getting to explore um, or, or dive into with when it comes to telling a story or um, exploring maybe exploring a world? Um, I guess I could start us off. Um, I think my favorite thing is just like building a character and making and making them come to life uh, from how I play them. Like it's like oh I cool I like. You know, uh, I speak about, about like my process and many things, but essentially skipping that little part after I made the character and it's built and all that. I like bringing a lot of like reality into the character and then from the character kind of like building reality um, in the world, like in the sense of like having the world feel very tangible and like I can touch things and I'm I'm actually occupying the space. So like a lot of times when you see me like, play the game like i'll say i'll press a digitation like a candle that's far away so like someone can read and that's just like something you wouldn't think of if you weren't like immersed into the game of like you just think like oh this character is reading in the corner like but has any anyone addressed like the lighting situation in the room like the dm described you know 
the room, it's like, oh, there's a cue. I can just like light that candle for them so they can read like this important thing that they're going to have to start doing uh, for a quest or something. So that, that's my short answer to that. One thing I've really enjoyed about the game that, that you've been running, Steven, um, is how um, just absolutely diabolical you are in terms of <laughs> taking the things our characters care about and turning them against us. And I mean that yeah. from the deepest part of my heart, because that's the part of the game that I care the most about. I, I care about like, oh, like I say I'm really, my character is really interested in this. Well, it's like, well, here's your chance, right? Like, is this a price you're willing to pay? What about this? Like, mm-hmm. what about this? And just like, I mean, because role playing, like there are a lot of things that I want to do that I, can, that I don't do in my regular life that I want to do in a role playing game, right? <laughs> Like, you know, magic. I want to cast magic in my real life. I want to get up and go all the way across the room to pick up a sandwich. Like, just a sandwich in my hand. Come on, you know? Like, but that's something else. Like, I mean, I'll be, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a coward. But there are a lot of things in my everyday life where I'm like, I care a lot about this. And then it comes time for me to do something. And I'm like, oh, but I'm so cozy in the covers. (laughs) I got my sandwich right here. And so there is like a wish fulfillment <laughs> that happens in D&D where it's like, okay, here's what my character really cares about. And given the opportunity to like go the extra mile and maybe even, you know, break some eggs along the way, like what would I be willing to do to like make that happen? And that's the part where I get like, I'm like, you know, and, and I, I, I lean in, right? I lean in. And whenever I see other people, uh, other, other characters have that same experience where they're like, oh, oh, this is what's going on? Like, that's the real history behind my family? That's what's going on with this pantheon? Here's the, like, reason this magic artifact exists the way that it does? Oh, like, then then what do we do do with that information? And that's where I I get really excited. So I I find myself um, really, really excited about that. And that's something we do a lot of in this podcast. I would agree with that. I think also for me, I am... I, y'all, I play these games for the tears and the kisses. Like, that's the <laughs> reason I show yes. up. I want to show up and have my cry. friends break my heart. Um, and so <laughs> any game I can play where I get to, where I get to be uh, emotionally invested, and I think that's, that's a responsibility that falls on both the player and the DM. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's definitely not a one-sided thing. Um, that's what I get the most excited about. I, I really could care less about the class that I'm playing or, you know, like you get excited about a special ability, you use it once, you're like, oh, that was neat anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I get the most excited about forming relationships with other player characters the most, with NPCs. Um, and so I think that's like what I, if I'm sitting down to make a character or somebody presents a setting or a game to me and says like, are you interested in this? Um, that's the question I ask myself first. Is this something I could get emotionally invested in? Is this something I could really contribute to in an emotionally significant way? And I'm, you know, as a former therapist, like we put ourselves in our characters. You can pretend that you don't. You can pretend that your your graph paper baby has nothing to do with who you are on the inside, but graph. it is a product of oh, it you. Totally graph does. Paper so like baby. if you create a character that causes you to feel nothing, like why did you waste your time like that? That seems what are you doing here? Yeah, counterintuitive uh, to me personally. And that's the fun part too. It's also been really fun in sort of a different way. That like there are a lot of you in the cast that I don't really I know you guys through your characters, 
if that makes sense. Like, yikes, you know, <laughs> right. yikes for me. All right, yikes. yikes for me specifically because rain's a mess. <laughs> no, but it is. It's a weirdly, even though it's detached like it it is a weirdly intimate part of all of ourselves of Mm -hmm. like I have dug into my psyche and my emotions and my experiences and I've created a piece of art that is reflective of me and my experiences in some way and it's kind of cool to like get to know people through that Mm -hmm. to get to know them through their art in such an intimate way that you get to participate in um and I don't know. It's like, it's also for me, like, maybe I'm seeing a side of you guys that like, isn't who you are when you go to the grocery store. Um, But that's cool. That feels like, and it's an interesting life experience for me. It expands my worldview. um, And it's just, it's a cool exercise in like learning about people. That's why I kind of like, I like, um, like moral conflictions in games where like, if I am put into a situation where I know, first of all, my character's uncomfortable. But I'm, like, in this dilemma of, like, ooh, I kind of want to do the wrong thing and spice <laughs> it up because I and, – and that trope of, like, I feel like that's what my character would do. But, like, in a really sincere way of, like, I think she might actually fall for this trap, like, mm-hmm. and having to put myself into the shoes of I might fuck my character up right now, mm-hmm. but it's a good story. Yeah. And- um, this is a space to fuck up, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And- and I will say as someone who I, I, I probably am a player once a year, maybe, um, it doesn't happen often. So, so my perspective is coming almost exclusively from a, a DMing side. I think that's a big part of why our podcast works is because all those, like the, the relational aspects and, and individual character growth is, is even from a DM standpoint, like, that's what I care about. Like, like, do I have a big like overarching narrative and and are there big bads and there's things happening in the world? Yeah. But, but there's a reason why I have tied all your different characters to very significant aspects of the story, as opposed to just a party following breadcrumbs to fight the bad guy. Cause that's just boring to me, right? Like you can't, you can't have a story that goes on this long when every arc is, Oh, there's a conflict. We march into the conflict. We kill the conflict. Done. It it has to have stakes. And I and I think um not how how do I want to say this? And I and I think because of how you all kind of view the character, the player side of things, of of wanting these these relationships and these consequences and these moments to kind of um really really dive in allows our table to work so well. Um, because at the end of the day, like that, we're, we're all moving towards the same thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I would just, I know we're short on it, but like just to piggyback off that briefly, that's also how you get your audience engaged. You have to give them backstories. You have to give them something to identify with. Like think if you think about your favorite tabletop character for, from whatever, you know, uh, entity, whatever channel, the reason that you loved them was not because they were really good at rolling nat 20s. The reason that you <laughs> loved this character was because they made you feel something. We liked Percival because, of you know, the Briarwood arc is still one of the best, you know, oh, so tabletop good. arcs in, like, AP history, in my opinion. But it's because it was backstory heavy and we learned a lot about that character and we got as invested in killing those villains as 
audience members as the player characters in the DM. Like, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to give your audience something to feel also, which is hard to do. There's If you're a power gamer, you know what? You do you. But that's hard <laughs> for somebody that doesn't know you and doesn't have the same investment in your stat block mm. to care about what you're doing. Mm. So it kind of gives your your audience an avenue in to connect with the show as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're not connected with your character either, like speaking of Percy, like I remember that moment watching the show when the Briarwood's name is first said and you see him sit up at the table mm-hmm. like eyes white and he doesn't say a word but like he's so invested in his character is i'm not sure their pronouns um but they're so invested in their character that just that name popping up like 20 25 episodes in or something it's just like oh shit it's happening like this is this is going down and none of my other players know about it so i don't know it's just yeah yeah, and, and you, super invested. And you only get that when you have a player invested and a DM invested. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You need that it, it, 100%, 100% buy-in on both sides. Mm-hmm. Okay, so talk about character a bit more. Someone asked, uh, and this might be more specific to uh, your characters in the game, uh, what puts you in the best mindset to occupy your character to play them in each game, in each, uh, each, each time? Two cups of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, just being here with y'all. Like, there have been days Mm -hmm. I've showed up where I've had the worst fucking day or I'm going Mm -hmm. through it. And, like, it's real dark on the outside. But just sitting at this particular table with Mm -hmm. these people makes me, gives me that emotional access no matter what's going on on the outside for the most part. Like, it it's it's the sense of belonging and companionship at the table for me. Mm -hmm. Now I sound like an asshole. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) plus also two cups of coffee also there's something steven said to me um really early on when i joined um and that was about the fact that he wanted to create not a safe space but a brave space Mm, um and i I which by the way i've stolen and used in every aspect of my life with credit i stole it from someone Uh, too so (laughs) great (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's got legacy um but to to your point, Chris, too, it's like I know that like when I'm coming in here to be vulnerable and to play this character and all of that, like I'm I am held and supported by these people. Like there's no like, you know, cut somebody to get ahead. And I mean, like we're all going to the same place. Mm-hmm. Um And to just know, like, here that it's not, like, obviously, yes, this is a safe space. Like, I feel emotionally safe here. But it's a space that emboldens us to just do it, to just go through it, to just, like, feel authentically and put that out there. Um, And, like, that's something that you want to come back to as a performer. I would say that uh, agreement with the rest of the cast members here, with the caffeine and the vulnerability (laughs) and the team. Um... And I think also what part of my process is, is stepping into, like, Besky is a very personal character, as people could maybe tell. And I step into him knowing that I'm going to be, like the rest of the cast, say, vulnerable. I'm accessing a teenage side of me that wishes he was more well taken care of and set up for success. And, and he's given some of those opportunities more so than I have. And so 
I think that's kind of how I step into my character each week alongside like just seeing the faces here and knowing that like this is a brave space and um and we there's more than that happening because like sometimes if you're not um aware you have to be also self-aware uh and and trust that other people are self-aware because like I've seen other places where people bring their vulnerability and bring their character and bring like this thing part of their past, but then they just kind of like it's a singularity and everything falls into that character and like nothing gets done and and someone like kind of hogs up the space and like that also can't be what happens. So I think it's that we are also willing to kind of share the airwaves with each other is something that also makes us feel safe. Okay. Mm, I don't know. I, sorry, it's okay. No, I thought on. so. I, you made a noise. I was like, I think you might have something to say. <laughs> and no, it, uh, it, it came to mind when uh, when um, Emily was talking. But I feel like I play Ariadne the best when I'm feeling sad already. Hmm. Like I feel like she's a very lonely character. So when I was feeling super lonely, it felt way more relatable. Um, and like getting those emotions to come to the surface was a lot easier. Um, and it's almost like a little harder now where like my life has been less stressful. Um, and it's hard to like reconnect with that feeling of being intensely lonely in a space where you don't really know what's going on. You don't really know what to do. And I mean, she's in a foreign world, you know, she, she doesn't have any family here. Her family are thousands of years, light years away. And I feel like just having that emotion at the surface was way easier for me to tap into her. That makes I mean that that makes a lot of sense. I think on 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 my end when I when I think about getting getting ready getting getting mentally prepared to to jump into role playing here. It's very different um coming in with more I I'm I'm usually not very focused on one character. Every once in a while if I know there's a, a uh, like a big conversation coming up can be like okay, I'm I'm a 600 year old sexy vampire. Let's do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, are. You are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but most of the time, I what where where I go through is I I actually re-listened to um, the last episode to to kind of get back into the same headspace of of where the story was. And I spend a lot of time thinking about each of your characters, um, not what I think you would mm-hmm. do, but where I think where it seems like they are at where um, on, on like an emotional level and, and what what pieces of their story um, would be significant showing up. Um, if, if that makes sense. Um, so so when I'm when I'm getting into to the mindset for for role playing as as a GM, that's that's really where, where I'm thinking of is is where where are my players at? Where are my characters at in in this space, um, both physically and and emotionally? Hmm. So I, I will say there's one one other thing that I do that I don't think will come as a surprise to folks who have listened and certainly not for Steven. But one thing I do more and more as our characters gets a higher level is I look at some of like the spells that my character can cast at fifth level and above. And I ask myself two questions. How can I use this to break the campaign? And is that something I really want to do? <laughs> I really appreciate that you asked the second question. <laughs> <laughs> so 
when you're thinking about your character and your character's four years is a lot of time in the real world. Uh, and it's often, it's a lot of time in the game world. And obviously, uh, your characters have changed a lot over that time. Um, when you've made a change to your character, um, I know some of you have had some really big changes. I think everyone's had at least one significant change for your character and you've all had some small changes. Um, when you, you know, decide you want to make that jump, um, whether, you know, because narrative or because it's something you think feels logical, how do you, um, do you feel nervous about how it'll affect the party and how people, the audience will react to it? I don't give a fuck about these people. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know you. Let go of my purse. No, I, I always care. I always care. I'm always nervous about that shit. I have, I... I am dreading, like, oh, my God, what if they hate it? What if, like, what if they think, like, oh, this isn't the right path for my character? What if it just ho- ruins the whole party vibe all the time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I died, um, and I was, <laughs> uh, which was a literally. big change In real life. for me. Uh, yeah, I died and was resurrected three days later. Um, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I died in the campaign, which was kind Lost of a big change. For a long weekend. <laughs> you die for real. <laughs> it is true, actually. Um don't tell I don't me know. That was, time. That was... <laughs> Lord. Uh, where was I? Not today. No, I mean, that was a huge change. And I was kind of terrified about how... I mean, Stephen, did, Stephen was like alluding to the fact that I wouldn't be dead forever. Um, but I still wasn't sure. But I was also terrified just from a cast perspective of like... Am I inconveniencing people by dying? (laughs) (laughs) Which now, in such a millennial view on death, time and and wisdom. I'm sorry, it's just a good time for me to die. Um, I could put it off a couple minutes if you need. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I will say, like, yeah, that was that was extremely nerve wracking because, especially when like you are taking like a focal point as a character too. And you're an anxious person in real life. Like, I think it's normal to have that reaction of like, oh, is this okay? Like, am I taking up too much space, too much time and all of that? Um, but, you know, in, in this case, like, where narratively it just feeds into, like, more and more push for other characters and their stories in different directions. Like, and you see how it ripples out. It's like, okay, no. Like, we're everything we all do moves that drives this narrative um so even when we're going through these changes it's it is for the growth of everybody um and i think the ripple effect of that is really interesting and it hel- it helps to assuage the like is it okay if i die <laughs> feeling mm-hmm. i i think um to kind of i share the same thing as emily does and i think one thing is like we're really good performers so i think we know in general, like how much space we can take. And then we also honestly, like big thing, and it's time for us to make Steven all bashful. Like we throw the ball in Steven's court because like we want to make a big character decision and we know that's going to like maybe be a focal point or maybe like do something in the game. And like we just trust Steven to kind of, you know, make sure like how Emily was saying, I don't let me speak for you, Emily, but I assumed like it was kind of just like, okay, I'm going to die. I'm going to be the focal point. 
but I felt like Steven's pacing of like, it was like three or four episodes later, we got you back or something. And that was like really good pacing and like, and everything made sense. Everything kind of clicked together. Um, and then like for my character, I went from being like pack of the tome to like pack of the blade and like, I'm less powerful. I'm less like useful for the party. <laughs> um, but it makes sense for, you know, what my character decided to pledge to Walena and like his journeys through the hells and stuff like that. And it hasn't like, it hasn't come up in combat where I do a little bit better. It's just like kind of just sitting there, but everything, it feels good to play my character because everything aligns. It makes sense, even though like I'm less capable and in some ways I'm less flexible when it comes to performing and like doing stuff in the, in the campaign and with the team in the party rather. And so, but I know that it's, it, it actually flows in a, in a way that, that works for the character and, and adds to uh, making sense and adds to the weight of the realness of this game. And, and I want to, I want to say the, it's really, really easy on my end to do stuff when you have a group of players who I, I don't think any of you have made a really big decision um, without having a conversation about it. Um, and, and I think that that shows all of y'all's as one as one as performers, but I think even as just as, as, as human beings of having that, that layer of like empathy and care for the rest of the table. Um, and I mean, since, since the day that we started, I, I really wanted it, wanted this podcast to be a place that, um, that the first, the first goal was that it was fun and safe and, and, and good for the people at the table and the, the performance and show part comes second. And I feel like the stars aligned or whatever it is that, that this group of people and, and Emily and Kai, um, who we miss, we miss dearly both of you. Um, but, uh, we're all people who, who do really care about like genuinely about the other human beings at, at the table. Um, and so when that's the first, the first, um, kind of thought process, then that, that other character stuff starts to flow a lot easier. And these big decisions, um, happen in a way that's natural and, and in a way that everybody becomes a lot more supportive of them, um, naturally, I think. And so I think that that says a lot about who you all are as, as players. And I just, I just get to throw bad things at you and make you sad. <laughs> and we love <laughs> So what's been the most rewarding part of your character's story so far for you as a, as a player? Um, I'll answer and then I, I have to hop off. Um, but mine actually hasn't happened yet, but I am really excited because most of my characters have um, kind of wanted to leave home because they're like, this isn't for me, you know, like I feel like I need to make a name for myself. And in the end, they decide that like, actually, you know what? Home is exactly where I belong. And I like that life better. And I feel like Ariadne is going to soon come to the conclusion that, like, you know what? Aludra is not for me. And I feel like this is where I belong kind of place and just completely setting out on her own, um, accepting that, like, she's going to have to abandon, like, everything. Like, she'll probably never see a lot of her family ever again, but it's going to be happier and better for her in the long run. Um, and that's, like, a, a totally new thing for me i think in my role-playing um history so i'm excited to see where that where that takes her where she 
where she ends up. Um, I guess for mine is, uh, like any teenage person, puberty. They got through puberty, and I think... (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Um, The hardest challenge of all. Yeah, the real real monsters. Um, So, Bessie getting through puberty in hell with, like, three, you know, um, sapphic, like, motherly figures, matron figures to kind of help him guide through, uh, you know, his, his puberty and the rest of his like teenagehood. I think that was good. And then kind of like the, the swagger and then like, kind of like the confidence in the, and the, and the, uh, it's like fortitude of standing in his own ground, I guess. Like a lot of that was like attached to his princehood, like per the possibility of he, of him being able to like possibly be a prince. But now it's like, no, Besky is this thing. He represents this, uh, for these reasons and like within his own ground. And then he just might one day, like maybe he steps into that role, but he found what like his, his stance was or like what felt like solid footing um, outside of any sort of Royal thing. I think my favorite moment so far in the podcast was actually when um, cause and rain. And I, 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 Forgive me if I forget who else was there, but I really just remember Cause and Rain's experience when we broke out of like the dwarven prison ship and like we didn't make a single attack roll. We just used bullshit magic. We like, <laughs> fucked everyone up with illusions and like and then like like high level conjuration magic. Uh our characters like profess love for each other and then we teleported out of there and I'm like man what a high water mark <laughs> that was so good I think about that episode all the time <laughs> especially because it started off with us being in such a like uh, like capital fuck situation pardon my language uh, Bayforge moms <laughs> like we started off we were in such a bad situation we had nothing to do except like basically get transported into like a worse situation and we were like what if we use <laughs> bullshit magic and that was great i really I really like that episode that was fun uh yeah that's such a good one i think for rain um one of the like i don't know if i would say best but maybe most definitive or like has really helped me understand this character better than a lot of other moments in the game revolved around it wasn't like a single moment but was the switch from ranger to sorcerer and Mm. exploring like because i'm trying to like figure out how to make this concise i think that really what uh, is a highlight there for me for rain is the idea that like this is a character who had a specific set of skills to find their way in the world and discovered a a bond although it is a dark one and largely negative one, a bond that they didn't realize connected them to this world so much. Um, And the decision, both, I guess, on my part, but also on Rain's part, to lean into that bond, again, even though it's not, like, you know, a corrupted dragon isn't the ideal bond, maybe, for a growing uh, growing person, a young soul. But um, I think that that has been, like, what has helped me understand Rain better than other choices. Although I've, there's been a lot of good ones. <laughs> I think for me, in terms of, like, fa- favorite? Uh, 
favorite is interesting when so many bad things have happened to us and I've loved them all. Um, but I think uh, when Blossom and Besky created that spooky ass dream um, spell was one of my favorite moments just from like a like a visual storytelling perspective of just like the strong, strong mental picture of just that like whole creation of that and like how Steven let us get a little creative with the magic and all of that. I just I felt like that so epitomized for me like the shit I love about this campaign, which is like the collaboration the willingness to just dive deep into weird shit and for Steven to yes and all of that and let us use magic in the way that feels right and makes sense and is interesting for the story. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was wild. Um, so the last thing would be if you, for, for everybody, if you had to play a character who was, who was related to your current character. So someone else, one of their fa- uh, family members, friends, relationships, that kind of thing. Uh, who would you pick? Uh, this one's easy. Uncle Cabo, because <laughs> like that's I mean people people uh people I think people like Uncle Cabo at least the cat I think some of the cast members like think he's cool and stuff like that and so it'd be cool to just like play this like generally upbeat character who's like already found his like position and like you know things that he's about and just very comfortable like not comfortable as in like he doesn't like he's complacent but like he's just comfortable in who he is and uh you know what he represents um and it'd be cool to kind of see that world side of things what uncle kaba kind of deals with because like he's just been like basically besky's father figure and so it'd be really cool just to like, play a character that is a lot more um secure in, in, in themselves that's that is that's a really interesting answer because i I'm, I'm just thinking through like how would how would a more matured uh, established character view all the different things that have happened like what would the what would what would Uncle Kava's experience be at the Fae Forge Academy at this place where there's been like these established norms that all of a sudden just get broken and 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 whatnot? That's that's very interesting. He's got to look up his whole family tree. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. There it is. Uh, Black Iron, Tali Black Iron. I would love to walk a mile in this. In her shoes, just unrepentant (laughs) villain. Like she's uh, number one, she's martially capable, which Kaz is not. It'd be fun. Uh, Number two, like she 100%, like at least from what I've seen, she 100% like knows like what her like deal is and like what the way forward is. And she's like, yep, like we're here to take power and more of it. And we'll just kill anybody who gets in our way and torture the rest. And it's just like, man, like, I mean, there, there's a little bit of like, you know, villains campaign there. Like, that'd be, that would be fun. It'd be fun to to walk a mile in her shoes. Yeah. In a similar edgy vein, um, like, I think the obvious choice is like wanting to play Blossom's husband. Um, shout out to Atreides. Um, but also, uh, I actually think it would be much more interesting, um, technically, familial since cults wants you to cults want you to believe you're in a family i would love to play the leader of the high control group that blossom was raised in mm. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. all villains arc <laughs> Oops, i was gonna villains. say let me get on this train because i mm-hmm. i think the obvious answer for rain would be colonel but that's kind of what we're like rain is doing like an echo of colonel's story so mm-hmm. that's to a really loose degree already happening. I think um, 
you know, in the, in the theme of, of found or situational family, I would want to play Ore slash Arvea. Like, I would want to play out the story of the actual betrayal, the corruption, losing yourself. Like, that's Ooh. what I would want to do. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Plus, who doesn't want to play a dragon? Right. Word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are some good answers. I, I like I like the idea of an all villains arc with Uncle Kaba trying to trying to save everybody. <laughs> that would be sick, actually. <laughs> Think about this. Guys. <laughs> are we sure? Are we sure murder is the right choice here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then eventually, Uncle Kaba just turns to the dark. <laughs> Join us. You are supposed to destroy the Sith. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today um, as we answered some of your kind of questions for all of us. And tune in next week as we finish up this mailbag uh, with part two uh, and we get into some more specific individual questions that you had, you all had for some of us um, or for each of us. I don't know the right way to say that. Anyways, next time on the Faith Forge Academy. Hey, thanks so much for attending the Faith Forge Academy today. Uh, before you go, don't forget to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Academy, uh, and also stop by Greenleaf Geek, which is at Greenleaf Geek on Twitter and Instagram or greenleafgeek.com. Get all your dice needs fulfilled. Um, uh, and don't forget that if you use the code FAYFORGE on checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. We are also proud members of the Fundamentals Podcast Network, so make sure you go to thefundamentals.com to catch up on all sorts of pop culture and nerd stuff. Uh, they have a lot of great articles, a lot of other great podcasts. Um, check them out. And with that, I am your Dungeon Master, Steven. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore bad DM. My name is Ian Gould, and you can find me on Twitter at Ian G. Gould. Hey, I'm Chris. I like to hang out. You can do so alongside me on Twitter at Kiss of Hemlock. Hey, I'm Adelaide Gardner. You can find me at O Adelaide. Hi, I'm Emily or M, and you can find me at Emily Irv. That's E M I L Y E R V on Twitter and Instagram. My name is Michael Sinclair II. You can find me at Michael Critz on Twitter and on Twitch. Theme music by Dave Cole of the Four Orbs Podcast. For more music, check out D. Cole Music on YouTube. Additional sound effects and music found at zapsplat.com, tabletopaudio.com, and epidemicsound.com. The Faith Forge Academy is a proud member of the Fundamentals Podcast Network.